There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. This week you're joining me from the balcony of my lovely flat in East London. Normally I record these moments of filthy chat between us in a cocoon of duvets and cushions and other soft things to keep the noise levels right. But... The weather around here is currently toasting me alive. It's almost 25 degrees, shut up. And I think you'll agree that that's far too hot to wear anything other than a loincloth, let alone get under a duvet. So if there's a bit more background noise than usual, you know why. I'd apologise for this, but frankly I'm three drinks in and most of my brain's been taken up resisting the urge to hire a hot tub. So instead, pop your clothes on the chair over there, grab a glass of wine and let's scare the neighbours together. Oh, oh, wait. In a couple of weeks, I'm planning my first Q&A episode. But obviously, first, I need some cues to A. So, please send me your questions, otherwise it'll just be me sitting in silence, pretending to have a good time. Pretty much my 29th birthday party all over again. You can email them to hello at probablytruepodcast.com, or you can tweet them to me at unlikelylad. Right, let's uh, get this done, shall we? You're listening to the award-winning Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring otherwise. Another gay bar closed recently in central London. According to the press, that makes almost 20 in the past five years. That seems a lot. And my first reaction whenever I hear about a bar closing is to say, Oh no, I should have gone there more. I like going to bars, after all. At least, now I do. The first few times were terrifying. My memories of my first night in a proper gay bar are extremely fuzzy and mostly revolve around being dragged down the street and then waking up in a strange place all cold and sticky, but I'll get to that in a minute. I grew up in a tiny town whose only gay bar had been firebombed when I was 12, and then after that I went to a tiny city where the only gay bar was an old man pub, so I'd never really been to a proper gay bar until the University LGBT Society decided to have a trip to the big city nearby for a night out. The big city being a slightly larger town than the one I was at university in. I was really nervous. This was my first time and all the people were going to be gorgeous and it was going to be really welcoming and fun and I was finally going to find a group that I really fit with that I, that I could call my own people. Except no. I remember it being really busy, but we found a table and all crowded round. I think I was the only one there for the first time. All the others had been there before and were all relaxed and, you know, were just generally comfortable because it was just a bar. But not me. I'd built it up in my head so much that I was so nervous, I decided to calm myself with a few shots and then wash them down with a vodka and Diet Coke. It was the really cheap stuff, too. The one that you don't really get nowadays, at least not outside student bars. The kind of vodka that knackers your insides on the way down, leaving you with a telltale vodka cough for the next day or two. As I looked around this bar and saw all the beautiful people, and they were all having a nice time and laughing and joking and talking to their friends, I realised 
I didn't have the confidence to start a conversation with any of them, and no one was interested in talking to or even looking at this lumpen, ungraceful, hairy thing doing his best to hide at the bar. So this wasn't the welcome and accepting environment I'd hoped for, but the booze was helping to soften the blow. At least, a little. I remember vividly one guy who was there. He was older and bald with a big razor-shaved kind of head. He was very orange, with the old leather look you only really get on expensive handbags and cheap sunbeds. Piercing blue eyes that only made the orangeness stand out even more, and a really harsh laugh. Like, <laughs> I remember being terrified of him, thinking, What if he's the only guy here who finds me attractive? And then I saw his t-shirt, which was bright white and glowing under the UV lamps on the dance floor, and which further underlined the orangeness of his skin. His t-shirt had fuck off, I'm choosy, in big, bold, black letters on it. Then I started to panic. Even he didn't want me. He's even got it written on his t-shirt. What am I going to do now? And I just turned back to the bar where no one was looking at me and ordered some more shots. A little later, I'm back at the table with my friends and the only diva in our group is doing his attention whore thing. Looking back, I can see that it's just him compensating for some insecurities by ripping everyone else to shreds and being a nasty bitch. But at the time, it throws me off balance and I don't know how to deal with him. A few barbed comments thrown my way mean I hunch over my drink and down it before going to buy more shots, which was my way of coping with my insecurities at the time. About as successful as well, I think. The next thing I remember is being carried, someone under each arm, feet scraping along the floor as I'm dragged down the street, and then I woke up with my face stuck to the toilet seat in my halls of residence. I'm told I danced, or at least I threw myself around the dance floor, occasionally handing my phone to random guys and insisting they give me their number. When I was reminded of this, I nearly cringed myself inside out. I spent the rest of the afternoon sending I'm sorry texts to any unrecognised names or numbers in my phone. (laughs) Strangely, none of them ever got back to me. It was a good few months before I dared go back there, actually, expecting the music to stop and everyone turn as soon as I walked in like some Old West saloon. But it didn't. People forgot, or didn't care. Everyone has their hot mess phase, I guess. I've had several, but still. Anyway. So, gay bars are dropping like flies. There was one commentator, bless him who said that it's because no one goes to gay bars to talk about things anymore. It's all just about pulling nowadays. As if there was some golden age when instead of gin palaces and molly houses, there were just highbrow salons where classy bitches would share witticisms and discuss politics and the events of the season. And as much as I'd like that to be true, it's not. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you can't have highbrow discussions in there, I'm just saying that, you know, that's not their primary purpose. In much the same way that a bottle of poppers might say room odoriser, but I don't know anyone who actually likes their house to smell like marker pens. Whenever a bar closes, there's always a lot of hand-wringing and moaning that another piece of history's gone and how the LGBT community just isn't what it used to be, and on and on. I don't know. Something about that just doesn't sit right. The bars we have aren't charities. We're not obligated to go there over somewhere we'd actually enjoy being. If a bar isn't appealing, then no one's going to want to go there, gay or otherwise. For example, when it was announced that the Joiner's Arms was closing, a big group of us all kind of said, Oh no, we used to go there a lot, it's only around the corner, we should go again and give it a good send-off before it closes. And we did, we all went. 
And then when we got there, we said, oh yeah, now we remember why we stopped coming. It's because the music's a bit pants, the smoking area's the size of a post-it note, and the toilets smell like something did a big poo in there and then died. And also there's a pool table in the middle of the dance floor because, you know, obviously. I'm almost certain, actually, the first time I went into the joiners, there was sawdust on the floor. Everyone else tells me I'm wrong about that, so maybe it was just a particularly loud daydream, but even if it didn't happen, it certainly gave the impression that it did. I'm not saying I didn't have some fun times in there, just not that many. Like that time I was flirting with a really cute guy who turned out to have a foot fetish, so I gave him the socks I was wearing and my number. He never called. I wonder if he still has the socks. I bumped into Patrick Wolfe in there once, actually. He's very tall, and he was gorgeous as ever, and for a moment our eyes met, and... He just seemed so lost. Anyway, the joiners was old and a big part of gay history, but it was also a bit crap. And sometimes there's a joy to the crapness, you know, it doesn't have to be shiny and perfect and amazing every time. Sometimes going somewhere a bit dingy and and crappy is fun. And Soho used to be a really exciting, scruffy, seedy place full of exciting holes in a wall and new, fun places to explore and get kicked out of. I remember when I first moved to London, it was something of a playground. You could go and find the bears in one bar and twinks in another, and there were bars for old people and rent boys and kink or whatever you wanted. Even depraved, disgusting shit like karaoke had a bar. And now it's all gone a bit bland. And I think part of that's to do with, you know, gentrification and all that kind of thing. Everything's got to be as inoffensive as possible to maximise appeal. You make more money when you appeal to as large an audience as possible, and when rents more than double, a lot of the independent gay bars couldn't afford to stay and look nice. So nobody went, and then the chains move in instead. And in that process, you know, a physical part of our history and our culture disappears because it was so necessarily hidden and clandestine. In the past, you had to know where those bars were because you needed to know. And you needed to know because you had nowhere else you could go. So... Whether it's gentrification and rising rents and costs, or perhaps apps like Grindr, meaning people don't go out on the pool quite so much, these hubs of gay community are fading away a little bit. Personally, I think there'll always be a need for somewhere dark and dingy for gays to go and dance with the pretty boys, and then sneak off to the toilets with them for a quick one, even if they do stop halfway through, pull their pants up and run back out to dance to the new Lady Gaga track. Not that that happened to me, or anything. And it's sad that these places close, but it doesn't mean that the gay community goes with them. In fact, I'd say the community's alive and well, but lives more online now than it does in any physical space. Back before mobile phones, the only way to keep in touch with your friends was to see them out in places you knew they'd be, but now you can actually, like, arrange to meet places or find out about fun stuff that's happening without having to actually physically speak to someone. When I first moved to London a few years ago, I mostly made friends in chat rooms and on forums, not in bars, you know couldn't talk to people in bars. We'd still meet up and hang out and drink and dance, but it wouldn't be the only place we'd go. So, you know, maybe this isn't the end of the world. And there's all sorts of activities and sports and stuff like that with gay teams and gay users. The community's still there, it just isn't holed up in a dingy, scruffy bar anymore. I suppose just like satellite mapping has taken away all the exciting, unexplored bits of a map that used to say, here be dragons. So smartphones and rising rents and gentrification have eaten away at the old gay scene. That said, now that I know how to handle gay bars and I'm confident enough in myself to talk to pretty strangers, there'll always be a place in my heart and my bed for the kind of bar that lets me get drunk and flirt with as many men as possible.
Personally, I like to think that there's still a few dragons left out there. You just have to look a little harder to find them. And maybe take a spare pair of socks. This was Probably True, the award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the award-winning Scott Flashheart. If you liked what you've heard, you could share it with your friends, leave a positive iTunes review, and sign up at probablytruepodcast.com. If you didn't like it, you can find me on Twitter as UnlikelyLad. Come at me, bro. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.